We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The news cycle is incredible. Well, it's not 24 hours anymore. It's 10 minutes. If we hope to survive in this digital age, we have to think critically about the messages we consume. Someone created those messages for a reason. Let's find out why. Sometimes we just have to ask, what the media? I'm Megan Lynch, host and reporter at Legacy 50,000-watt AM radio station KMOX in St. Louis, Missouri. In my three decades as a journalist, I've had the honor of receiving a number of awards for my work, including one I'm most proud of, a National Edward R. Murrow Award. I'm joined by Julie Smith, author of Master the Media, How Teaching Media Literacy Can Save Our Plugged-In World. As an instructor and public speaker, Julie teaches how to dissect what you see and hear so you can be a savvy digital consumer. In this episode, info snacking. Julie, I remember when USA Today first came on the scene. McPaper. Yeah, and for <laughs> journalists, this was going to be the worst thing in the world because instead of having, you know, all of those paragraphs, you had a story summarized in maybe three or four paragraphs. With a colored chart. That was blasphemy. Photos. It was blasphemy. It was snacking. Yeah. Snacking at its best. It was going to ruin journalism. I mean, I distinctly remember this. And even the vending machines of the USA Today were made to look like televisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a newspaper for television watchers, essentially. Yeah. And, and the thought was that we were going to dumb down America. Instead of the thought being, we're going to give them a little bit quicker information for those that don't want to pour through a two-page article. Or that we're making information accessible to more people. Who can't read? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about info snacking, how we are getting our information throughout the day. But when the term first came out, Juliet, actually meant something a little bit different than how we refer to it now. So when it came out, it originally meant that it was time spent at work doing non-work stuff online. Like when you were at work, maybe checking your personal email or checking the sports scores or etc. So instead of having a lunch break, you were stealing a little snack time. Stealing time. Yeah, stealing <laughs> snack time from the employer. Well, then it also emerged into jumping online throughout the day. So, you know, like we grab our phones and maybe check things several times throughout the day. But now the term actually refers to our tendency to only read headlines and photo captions so that we're getting the snack of the information, but very rarely the entire meal. That's significant because... In many cases, the headline doesn't even match the article. And clickbait headlines are so popular, we click on things that really have no value whatsoever. Eight out of 10 people read the headlines of an article. Only two of 10 will read the article. I can believe it. Yeah. And guilty as charged. Yes, same. Same. 
even as we've been sitting here in the studio, how many times have I looked at my phone because some little alert has come up on my phone? Well, but in your defense, you're a news reporter. So if something is going on, you need to know about it. That's true. But I know hundreds of other people that do (laughs) Do the the exact same thing. thing. (laughs) Are you telling me that when someone retweets me, it's not important? (laughs) (laughs) Why do we have this need or how has this developed that we are satisfied with just a little bit? I think it's because we have so much information to process, we cannot process all of it at once. Um, In 2014, there was a study that we actually consume 34 gigabytes a day. That's enough to fill a laptop in a few days. And that was, what, seven years ago? So I can't even imagine what that data amount would be up to today. There's this man from the University College in London Professor Levy, he says it takes a lot of energy to run the human brain. And if we are consuming information every waking minute, which essentially we are, right, it's a lot to process. So if we can get by mentally with just reading a headline, why not? But the problem is, is that in many cases we're missing the context, right? Yes. And I mean, how many times have you heard people open up a conversation? Did you hear about such and such? And then it turns out people don't really know much about it. Nothing. Because they just... (laughs) They've just been snacking. Yes. So, okay, here's some interesting data. 70% of Americans share articles based on the headline alone. Yeah, and the headline doesn't always match the article. But here's something funny. There's a satirical website called the Science Post. They shared a headline, and the headline was, and this is ironic, 70% of Facebook users only read headlines before commenting. That's the headline that they posted on their Facebook group. If you clicked on the headline, it went to a link where it was just in Latin. <laughs> okay, so there was there was actually no, no. article. It was shared 46,000 times. So they proved their own point. That people didn't even bother to cl- even click through. <laughs> no, or if they did, they would have seen that it was Latin and maybe some people shared it ironically, but... Here's another example. There's a woman um, that writes for Upworthy, that website. Her name's Anne Renault. She posted a piece on Facebook about domestic terrorism being mainly white supremacists. And the link to that article led to a 404 error on purpose. There were 2,000 comments on that article. So people were commenting on the headline alone, even though if you clicked on it, it took you to a 404 error page. And I think that's fascinating. It almost makes me want to try it with my students. (laughs) (laughs) sociology experiment i have to admit i find that sometimes with tweets i have sent out from news stories that we have done here Mm -hmm. and someone will respond to me and i've literally responded to them did you read the article and their response and their response is crickets crickets which is code for no (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you experience that as someone who produces news, how do you counterbalance? How do you counteract that? Because you want a compelling headline, right? First impressions matter. So you want the headline of your story to be outstanding. But you also want it to encourage the reader or listener to want more information. Which is very hard because you have to be vague and specific at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so not clickbait is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, you don't want to give away too much information, but you don't want a headline that's deceptive either. Or that oversells the article that you have. 
And I think sometimes that's what we find with some things. We find these clickbait Mm -hmm. headlines that oversell what you're going to find in that article. But they're so titillating and provocative. And irresistible, let's be honest. The class period that I do about clickbait headlines starts with 10 reasons you're going to love class today. You won't believe number seven. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the difference. Clickbait headlines, in most cases, are written specifically to get the click so that that website will get more traffic and therefore earn more money. Your motivation is different because you want to share information. So how do you get people to want to know more information without giving it all away in the headline? It has to be about them. It has to be something that is attractive to them, that speaks to them where they at where they are at in their world, mm-hmm. and that is useful information to them. How do you find out what is useful? This is the this is the big question, right? It's a moving target. Your target or your listeners are consuming at least thirty four gigabytes of information a day. How do you help them determine what is? worth cutting through all of that clutter? I can't. They have to do it on their own. And what we find is, I'll be perfectly honest with you, I can spend months working on an in-depth series and it will not get the number of hits that a story about a puppy will get. It just is what it is. And it's puppies. And I can't say that I'm really any different. When I was reading about info snacking, I thought, yes, yes, how many times a day? Do I simply read a headline? Or even, I can't remember uh, who it was. Was it a, there was a study that was done about how much time people spend reading an article or how many lines of an article they'll read in the newspaper. And it's like maybe two or three. People will read two or three lines in and then they're done with it. They've gotten the information that they think they need. And you know, this brings us back to basic media writing lessons, right? The mm-hmm. who, what, when, where, why. You put that in the first paragraph. So... Maybe you, maybe you all need to start burying the lead. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get in trouble for that. <laughs> no, but encourage people to go for the whole meal rather than the snack. Or make the snacks as appealing as possible and as informative as possible, knowing the attention span of your reader and listener. And what is happening to us that we, we are losing this ability to focus and this lack of a longer attention span? You know, what do you find out there is is happening to us. Well, I can tell you as an instructor, it is absolutely exhausting to try to engage college students in this environment where they're six feet apart and their their faces are masked and I'm masked um, to try to engage them because of their attention span. And in most cases, we are consuming media and information that we have chosen ourselves. But in class, it's information and media that I have chosen. And I think that that's an additional barrier besides their attention span. They would love to info snack their way through the semester because it's, it's easier. But I think the attention span plays into that as well. And I think that's what's so hard today is convincing people that they need to pay attention to what you've worked on. You know, as a reporter, yeah. you know, really there's sometimes... Like, do you take it personally if a story that you've worked on really hard doesn't go anywhere? No, because usually what happens is I, I'll have one or two people that will actually go the length of reaching out to me and saying this story had an impact on me. And with sometimes with the regular daily stories, you don't get that. 
So I feel like, okay. You save those, right? If I, yes. <laughs> I, do. I should frame them like my first dollar. Yeah, you, know? you absolutely should. <laughs> but I, I think, you know, for me, uh, that's okay. It's like, there's if, that, if those few people got something out of that that was a value to them, then I've done my service. Well, and those are just the people that reached out to you. You probably had much more of an impact from people that didn't reach out to you. I would hope so. Yeah. When it comes to this content binging, that we all do. I think the thing that concerns me the most is an influencer um, or an organization that they are now using this to their advantage and reaching out to us in ways to get their message across in these little... We like easy very much. So I think that, I think that it all relates to the amount of information that we're exposed to and our available bandwidth to process all of it and our interest level. I don't want to say that we have really short attention spans because when I get really interested in a topic, I go, I go deep mm-hmm. on that. Maybe I'm crazy. But I think that people have the capability when the interest is there, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Maybe the attention span issue is something that we deal with the other 23 hours of the day. Does this make it harder to find good information because we are inundated with so much? You know, there's actually a term for that. It's called infogestion. Okay. <laughs> which I love. There's also infobesity, which yeah. is a good one. <laughs> but the idea that we are inundated with so much information, it's impossible for us to tell what is real, meaningful, valid, or true. Um, Neil Postman coined the term. He was a professor at NYU. He called it the information glut. And he came up with that term in the 80s. Like, I can't even imagine what he would call it now. It's kind of like trying to take a drink out of a fire hose. So if we are getting information in snack form, is that better than no information at all? And that was going to be my next thought. Am I behaving like a dinosaur in thinking that, you know, at one time the USA Today is of the world were an awful thing? Well, and remember, MTV used to play music videos. You and I are old enough (laughs) to remember that. (laughs) You know, do we now, as information purveyors have to keep adapting how we are presenting information and present it in layers. Well, I think so, because effective communicators know their audience, right? So if you know that your audience is people over 70, you're going to communicate with them differently than if they're under 30. I think it's so interesting as well to see how uh, some of people who I would call, you know, influencers and bloggers, uh, how they do have these layers of what they do. They have a Twitter presence. They have a Facebook presence. They may have their own blog page. They have an Instagram presence. You know, I mean, really, when you look at the hours that they devote. It's a full-time job. Yes. And the tools that they use to try to get their messages across, it's incredible. And multi-platform. And I cannot tell you how many of my students have told me they want to be YouTube YouTubers as their career. What does that mean? (laughs) Really, what? Um. I think it means that you put videos of yourself on YouTube talking about various things. And if you are relatable, you can draw an audience because that's really that's really what people want now, right? Is content generators that can attract an audience. And if you can do that, whether you're talking about makeup tutorials or politics or whoever, if you can attract an audience and cut through that clutter, you have value as a communicator. So Julie, info snacking. <laughs> when we when we look at the future of this, uh, you know, pros and cons of info snacking today. Pros, we get information quickly. 
We have more information at our fingertips now than ever before. The news cycle is incredible. Well, it's not 24 hours anymore. It's 10 minutes, mm-hmm. right? We have more information available to us than ever before. We can pick and choose our news, which is a pro and a con, if you ask me. But the con, I think, really is that we might not always be getting the information we need. The headline might not always match the article. And we're not getting the context. You know, I've always brought this up in when we talk about context in class. I can tell you that there's tensions in the Middle East, right? But if you asked me what that all comes from, what it stems from, I cannot give you a really good educated answer. That would require work on my part, right? Kind of like in a city that has a high homicide rate. You may hear about murders on the news multiple days a week, but you need to put that in context of what the yearly numbers look like and the reasons behind those crimes. The context. It's the full story. So the fact that there was a murder is the snack, but the meal is the how and the why and the where and, the, and mainly the why. It would seem like we're lacking that a lot when we info snack. We're lacking that bigger, broader perspective. Absolutely. So how do we slow this train down? <laughs> that, you know what, that's a great question. There, uh, Daniel Kahneman wrote this book called Thinking Fast and Slow. And his idea is that when there's system one and system two thinking, system one is like our knee-jerk reaction. System two is when we stop and reflect and research. Our brains are programmed now because of the information environment. Our brains are programmed for system one thinking. We're not programmed for system two. And I think that that is a really admirable goal if we could get more people into system two thinking of reflecting and really researching what they're learning about. Like many things in life now, we need to put it in our planner. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? From three to four, research Middle East. (laughs) Yes, I will let myself info snack most of the day. And then, oh yeah, and then you nibble through the day to decide what your meal's going to be at night. Mm -hmm. That might be a really interesting approach. Maybe we should try that for a couple days and see what we think. I'm Megan Lynch with media literacy expert Julie Smith. What the Media is produced by Odyssey St. Louis from the studios of KMOX Radio. Our executive producer is Beth Coglin. We invite you to visit KMOX.com for more on our Media Literacy Project. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.